So I think it's cool that they're introducing new artists that nobody's ever heard of. I think that's a great, we need companies to do stuff like that. They love art and they love that they have all these talented artists working at their company and they realize it doesn't all have to be superheroes and Star Wars. Every date I've been on ends with me crying in a limo. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds right. I just love how the three of you have all watched Bachelor more than me. (laughs) Some metal ruling. Yeah, you don't bend a metal ruler. It goes back. Gary, can I get a heads up that you don't bend a metal ruler? Unless you're six or four. My kids do it all the time. (laughs) Well, let's add our guest. Let's see if he's available. Who's our guest? You'll see. It's <gasps> anticipation. Is it so guys. Mike? Hey, Tyler. Yeah, yeah sorry. I uh, I went to try to answer and my, my Bluetooth headset is unpaired. I miss your voice. Is I miss your voice, too. <laughs> it's a ham it's night. A thing. Sandwich night. It's a double <laughs> ham? Yeah. Oh, my God. I think Gary and I will both be the first to say if we had a dollar for every time someone made a ham sandwich joke. I assume especially with him having a brother. My house would be paid off. And technically, it's a George sandwich with two pieces of ham. Exactly. Everyone always gets that wrong. The ham is in the in the middle, not on the outside. That's where the bread is. Exactly. That's why it's not actually a ham sandwich. It's a That's right. Which one is standing next to me? It could be uh, like a, a couple of open-face ham sandwiches. There you go. <laughs> I still want to know which ham is on my side. <laughs> I love you, Jess. I don't know where we got off. Well, I know. It's a little trash fisher. I know we got off on the wrong foot. But once you accept that I'm an idiot, <laughs> then uh, all's good. But I absolutely adore and love you, Jess. Okay, good. I'll, I'll take you back. Okay. Gary's on my side. Wow. <laughs> Gary's my ham. Dibs on Gary. I can't believe we're on a talking basis again. We've made up. This is awesome. And I'm feeling oddly rejected. <laughs> well... We're recording right now, so let's just go on and set, start this show. So, hey, toy family, welcome to the Marshan Toy Hour. This is where we talk anything and everything designer toys. I'm Gary Ham. I'm George Gaspar. Jess. Oh, I got oh. kicked out. You know you didn't. You shushed me out of your seat. <sighs> oh no. I'm Jessica Gaspar, rejected. <laughs> and joining us after like over a two-year hiatus is one of the original co-hosts of the show, Tyler Ham. Welcome back, Tyler. Hi, everybody. Happy to be back. And God, has it been two years? Last episode you were on was November 2016. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think it was episode 25. I remember it was kind of like a, a substantial number. And it was now 36. you're on... 36. Was it 36? And now wow. we're on, this will be a 130th episode. So almost 100 episodes between oh, one time Oh my around. goodness. That's way too long. You've had another kid since then? I, well, yeah. 16 months old now. 16 so I guess, months? <laughs> I guess that sort of explains my absence. No, it absolutely explains it. Say no more. But I knew when there was a bun in the oven, our time was to be you know, limited. But I, didn't, I can't believe that much time has passed. And one of the things that stuck with me when you're on, Tyler, is you mentioned that you lived in a haunted house. We had a Halloween episode where you were telling some stories about it. Do you still live in that house? I still do. I absolutely still you do. You are crazy. I remember a story you told me about one night you guys heard over the baby monitor the ghost was like shushing your baby to sleep, like soothing her to sleep. And you heard that over the monitor. So I'm, I'm curious, is the ghost uh, a good nanny to your second daughter? Is it helping put her to sleep as well? Oh, God, I wish it did. 
any any hand in keeping this kid asleep would be greatly appreciated from living or dead at this point. <laughs> I, I, a, it's like it's an open invitation. Like, you know how in The Conjuring, they're like, you've made contact. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yes, come in. Come in and help, please. <laughs> you know, we I just kind of tease the story a little bit. I'm sure there's a lot of listeners right now that are not familiar with this story. I remember it had something. You're, you were actually away from the house, and your wife was the one in the house and heard it all going on over the monitor. So... Can you just tell the story real quickly for the listeners who aren't aware of that one? See, that was probably the creepier of all the different things we had happen here. What um, what happened was when I, I went down to the hardware store that's right down our street, and uh, she called me and she goes, well, where are you? I thought you went to the hardware store. And I told her, well, I'm here. And she just goes, you need to get home right now. Just panicked. Oh. And so I ran out of the hardware store, drove up the hill, and she's in the living room holding the baby. I was like, what happened? And that, that's what she told me. Yeah, and you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, our baby, our older Blake, she had woken up and was sort of uh, like just, you know, you know how kids do, you know, kind of stir and kind of give like little half cries. And over the monitor, she she started hearing that shh, 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 which any parent listening kind of knows is kind of a generic sound you make when you try to shush a baby to sleep. Yep. It was really creepy. Whenever I tell the the ghost stories, that's always the one that kind of people go like, that's that's the creepy one. Yeah, that's the one that stood out the most to me. And really, it's the only one I remember. But this is not a ghost storytelling podcast. Unless, does your ghost play with or collect toys, Tyler? No. Well, in that case, let's move on to talking about, do you miss, actually, do you miss podcasting? Do you miss talking about toys? Yeah, I absolutely do. I was so excited when we talked about coming back on this because I haven't even really, I used to sort of hop on to other friends podcasts and just do little one-offs, but I really miss it. I really loved just getting to, of course, chat with you. And, uh, I chat with, um, George sort of offline. I've known George for, I guess, quite a while now. I mean, at least probably five years, Jess, I'm just kind of meeting through the podcast. And, uh, it was a great excuse to just get together with friends and get to talk toys and things we loved. And I really do miss that. Yep. Well, let, let me introduce you to your replacement, Teresa. She's on the line. Hey, Tyler. Yay, Hi, Teresa. Teresa. <laughs> hey, nice sorry I'm a few minutes late. Nice to meet you, too. I'm glad you guys are finally able to meet because you guys are both like a large part of like how the show exists. Like, I've said it many times, Teresa, without you and your help, I don't know that the show's still going on. And Tyler, without you, I don't know the show ever started because you were the one that originally, those not familiar, some history, I guess, is there was three hosts of this podcast. It was myself, Tyler Ham, and... Aaron Holsizer of Martian Toys, and we were to be a part of the Blind Box Network, but it didn't end up working out. So Tyler was the one who decided, let's still do this, and he did the research, he figured out how to do a podcast, how to upload it, and all that sort of stuff, so he set up the accounts and all that stuff. I just worried about editing, making the promo images, I would send the edited episode to Tyler, he would upload it, do the show description, and then it would go live. So uh, you're a huge part of why it was, but Tyler and you and I, we used to talk tons back when you were on. Like every day, we were constantly texting back and forth. Yeah, daily. But then once you let the podcast, we kind of kind of lost touch a little bit. I think we talked maybe we, we don't even talk. But this is the first time we've talked since you've left. But we text maybe once every six months just to check in. Yeah, and I don't know why that is. It's definitely not. Um... It's not like a personal thing, but as you mentioned, it just sort of kind of happened where the podcast sort of my my extent with it kind of came to a point where my wife was about halfway through her pregnancy. Uh, I was going through a bunch of 
just random job issues. Uh, so that was taking a lot of my focus. I was either working too much or working not at all. And then with already having at that point was a four year old, which is that's always a handful. It just sort of I mean, like I said, like if you just said when was the last time you were on the show, I would have thought like a year. I mean, the <laughs> fact that it's two years. But yeah, I mean, I have a 16 month old baby now who, again, like I said, doesn't like sleep. And so it's it's hard. It's hard to I mean, I have a hard time maintaining friendships with people that I tend to see that are geographically closer than you and I. And so the whole last two years has sort of been a mad scramble to just sort of maintain an average level of sanity. Do you still talk to Aaron at all? I haven't. I haven't talked to Aaron since our last podcast together, honestly. That's not surprising. I, I, know he, I never sensed that you guys really liked each other. I, I don't think we didn't like each other. I just don't think that we had... I mean, like, when we started the podcast together, I hadn't... I had no history with Aaron and yeah. I had uh, somewhat of a history with you I mean not deeply but we'd met at several I mean when your last name is Ham like you find friends wherever you can oh, like sure. you need allies and uh you know I'd known you at, at conventions in fact I if I'm not mistaken I think George introduced us because of our last name probably that sounds I think I remember that story yeah I think it was at um a comic-con back when at least you and George were still uh actually setting up there. And I was just sort of a, a looky-loo at that point. But yeah, and so I kind of had no no beginning with Aaron and our only real interaction with each other was on the show. You know, like I said, like you and I had a much deeper relationship and you, you and I really haven't talked that much. And so I think Aaron just kind of went his way and I went my way and it's taken two years to get back to center here. Yeah, it was always weird because you guys never talked to each other outside of the record. So we would only all talk once the record button would happen. That's when you guys would talk. And then after that, the rest of the week, I kind of felt in between you two. You guys would each be sending me texts, but we never talked like as a group thread or anything like that. So it was always strange. I think that you guys, I think what it was is just I formed different bonds with you guys. And then you guys never seemed to really form that bond outside of record. Yeah, I mean, I have no ill will towards him at all. I mean, it, it was it was never like that, and I'm I'm happy to see that everything he's doing is going well. He's got some good stuff in production. I'm happy his uh, his store storefronts going well. Yeah, but it was always like you're right. I mean, even to communicate with Aaron, I was almost always talking through you, and so you kind of said, you know, like I I was the if you give me credit for getting the show going, you're kind of the one that kept kept it glued together for all those uh, first couple months there. And the one that still keeps it glued together. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and they very well be. And like you said, I think I don't think you gave yourself enough credit for editing. Editing is one of those jobs that, oh man, I remember talking to you about it, and you're like, yeah, it's gonna be three more hours before I can get this episode out. <laughs> oh my god, this is. I remember now. You would because you were the one that were uploading the episode. So most of most weeks, you were waiting on my edit, and you're staying up way later than you wanted to waiting on my edit and you'd be sending emails like you're almost done how much longer and i felt rushed to get the edit out to you so yeah it's gotten a little easier since you left in that regard because now i i do the edit and i upload on my own time frame but do you listen to the podcast at all anymore not every single episode but i do listen quite often uh, i have a job kind of what i spend my days doing right now it gives me a lot of time to sort of uh, listen to different i listen to a lot of podcasts right now so i've been able to keep up with quite a few of them and there, there was actually something in the last episode that I wanted to talk to George about, and I cannot remember what it was now. And I, I guarantee you that it's going to come to me. Oh, oh, when you were talking about driving from SoCal to the, the NorCal show and then back in one day. Oh, yeah, that sucked. Yeah, I, I had to do that for work years ago. It was right after 9-11, and some film canisters 
had to go from Berkeley to the uh, the film studio down in Southern California, but I had to be back to help close the studio that night. Oh, so, yeah. I, I, so we couldn't we couldn't get on a plane with them because it was sealed in a metal canister and you couldn't open it because it would expose the film. And uh, so I've done that drive. And I just remember hearing you talk about it. I just remember being so tired. I was hallucinating on the drive back. <laughs> yeah, no, that's about right. <laughs> so, and I actually, can I talk about one thing from that last episode? I just want to officially apologize to Drill and Lee about that point where I had put everybody on mute while I answered the phone. Like, <laughs> that was the best moment, they, though. That was amazing to listen to. I, I apologize to them. I, I should not have done that, but it happened. And I feel like an ass, but it happened. You can apologize to them, but everyone else is thanking you because that was incredible. That was the best. <laughs> the fact that that happened during your mute was amazing. Teresa, do you know what we're talking about? Did you ever listen to that episode? You can't call me out like that, Gary. I'm going to look bad because I <laughs> don't listen to episodes I'm not on. So self-centered. Jeez. No, I, I don't think you've ever listened to the show before you actually came on. I don't think you listen to podcasts. You don't have a long it, commute to work. You don't have the kind of job where you can just throw on headphones and listen to music and podcasts all day like a lot of us do. It's so hard to find the time. That's why I haven't even really been on. Well, I wasn't on the last episode. It's weird that we're doing them every other week right now. Speaking of which, Teresa, you haven't been on. You weren't on the last episode. I think there's another two-week hiatus. So I haven't talked to you in probably a month. Like usually we chat or text, but you've kind of gone ghost. Haven't really talked to you in the last month or so. What's been going on? It's life. Life. It's just, just life. life and work. Life and work. It's been crazy. So. Have you been able to stay on top of all the, like, social media toy news or are you going to be oh no i feel I, I feel like i'm george right now no offense george <laughs> <laughs> like, i was like oh god what has been going on i don't even know i mean i've seen snippets here and there that i catch but not at all have been like i normally am where i'm like "Ooh, what's that Ooh, what's wow. that no it's like i'm i'm in the dark to be fair you probably still know more than me it's okay i'll probably <laughs> So Tyler, what about you? Since you left the show, have you been keeping in touch with Designer Toys and all the goings on? Because I know when you're doing the show, it's like something that you need to stay on top of to be just knowledgeable and aware of what's going on. But I know the few times I've gone on vacation or even the weeks that we take off, I'm not paying half the amount of attention that I normally do. So how about you? Are you still like engaged and in touch with what's going on in the Designer Toy world? Not, I'm still interested in it, but I haven't been paying obviously as close of attention as I was during the podcasting, I've been sort of focusing part of my efforts on a, a startup founding that's also in the toy and kind of entertainment space. And so more of my attention's been to, how would you say it, the, the back end of a toy company and toy production and company development and all the things that go into a startup, like selecting a law firm and and getting incorporated, all, all these other things that are just sort of, and then it's like, you know, looking at toy projections for the next couple of years. What did the toy industry do? How did Toys R Us's closure affect toys? So my, my focus on the toy industry has been more sort of self-serving in the sense that I'm, I'm trying to build something sort of in that space. But I, and I sort of took a, a step away from designer toys. And I think I actually texted you a couple months ago when I kind of looked back into it. And at first it, it kind of felt like, and I, I, I've looked more into it since, but I kept wanting to see more more innovation. Like I had gone away and I came back and I was just like, 
I've been gone for a year and it's like it's the same people are still the ones who are always at the forefront. It's like you go down, you know, you open up the website for whichever site you go to and it's like the same names I recognized. And I kind of was like, God, you know, what what happened? You know, I, I was hoping there'd be more like just new blood in it. But then you pointed me over to some other sites and I was looking through them. And so I've kind of seen now there has been some things that have changed and that are that are really cool going on. But yeah. as far as like general interest in designer toys, it's been, like I said, again, more of my focus has been behind the scenes. Yeah, no, that makes absolute sense. So if I told you that the Designer Toy Awards are coming up this June, you wouldn't really have a great idea of who to nominate, who's probably potentially going to end up being the finalist and that sort of stuff. And I guess we should probably point out, this is the final week to get your nominations in for the Designer Toy Awards on this Friday, February 28th. That's when they close the window for nomination period. So if you have any artists, toys, companies that you would like to get in front of this panel that then narrows the nominees down to the small list of finalists, this is the final week. So make sure you do that. You can do that by going to designertoyawards.com. If you don't have an account, you're going to have to create an account. And then you just submit uh, people that you like to nominate. But it's a very easy process. And make sure you do that because, as we've learned, if you don't make the nominations, it's not going to get in front of their eyes. And there's plenty of toys that people are going to assume that either other people have already nominated or they completely forgot that it came out last year because it probably came out maybe the beginning of the year or something. So make sure you do nominate. Go to designertoyawards.com. It's all anonymous. Nominate me yourself if you want to. And then, uh, Tyler, I assume you're not nominating them, huh? I'll definitely vote because I love seeing the DTAs, but I don't know what I would particularly nominate just because I've been so out of it. I've kind of, and I'm, and my focus was always more in the resin scene anyway. Yeah. Like that was always kind of where my, where my interest went. And so I still have artists I follow there. Uh, I still see some new artists coming in. I have new artists whose work I really get excited by. And but really, like the DTAs isn't as much about that. I mean, they have their sort of resin bootleg category. Overall, that was always still like even during the show, I was always more uh, attracted to the the resin scene. Now, when you say resin scene, you do mean specifically the resin bootleg side. Yeah, the self-produced bootleg toy side. And I know you're still involved with that sort of that side of the scene because it was just a few months ago I saw you did the collaboration with your buddy Killer Bootlegs. You're starting to do the Hammer Horror Collection. I know you're really into horror and you guys did the Werewolf together. And it seemed like you're probably going to continue that line with all the monsters in the Hammer Horror series. Yeah, yeah, we did that. So Killer uh, and I have been friends for a real long time. And in fact, he was one of our early guests. I think he, he was, was yeah. I, I mean, probably episode six or seven. I mean, really early, like uh, under episode 10, I think. And uh, he and I have collaborated a bunch of times over the years because we sort of have similar interests and things. And so, like, one of our collaborations was doing a Kenny Powers because we both liked Eastbound and Down. <laughs> and, we, we, yeah, we were texting when the show ended, and he was – we were both sad the show was over. And Pete was like, hey, let's do a toy of this. And I was just, yeah, let's do it. And so we both have this love of Hammer horror films, and we just realized why don't – or first we realized why aren't there hammer toys in this scale? And we kind of came up with a mental list. You know, if you're going to have a, a line of toys for hammer, what order it was, it was basically line planning. And both of us really liked the, uh, curse of the werewolf design. Yep. And so we just decided to go, go for it and do that first. And I think it turned out really well. Uh, all credit to Pete for the amount of paint apps on that thing. It's a really, really 
heavily and well-painted piece. It looked fantastic from the pictures I saw. You and you, uh, uh, Killer work really well together. You did the sculpting, and he did the casting and the paints and everything else. And, yeah, it's a, a really nice collaboration. And speaking of collaborations, and while we're talking about the uh, bootleg toy scene, something happened this week. I wasn't even sure I was going to bring it up. It, it was very public. It kind of got a little ugly. It happened over social media for the most part. But there was a bootleg collaboration done, and it was done by a married couple, actually, which is very cool, a bootlegging married couple, Dollar Slice Bootlegs and his wife, Horsey Boo. Is that right, Horsey Boo? Yeah, I think that was right. I think that's it's like at Horsey Boo or something like that or Horsey, Horsey B or something. Yeah, I believe it's Horsey Boo. And it would be so much easier if people use their real names and instead of these pseudonyms. But maybe her real name is Horsey Boo. And in that fact, I, I apologize, Horsey. But um, to better describe it for the listeners, what they did is they created a bootleg of a character that was very popular in the 80s. It came from a brand called Town & Country Skate & Surf Designs or TNC Surf Designs. It was out of, um, maybe think like Oahu, Hawaii. It made the that brand very popular in Pearl City out there, but it also became very popular here in the States and in many other places because what Steve Nazar, the artist, had created was just a great lineup of characters that appealed to a lot of the surfers and skaters at the time. And I remember walking into a Miller's Outpost and discovering this apparel line for the first time and absolutely fell in love with it and begged my dad to buy all of the apparel. And I remember wearing one red Du Bois shirt like almost religiously back in middle school. Anyways, what Dollar Size Bootlegs and Horsey Boo decided to do was make a tribute to the Thriller Gorilla from the Du Bois lineup of characters that Steve Nazar had created. And it's really, really good. It's exceptional looking. I mean, as far as bootlegs go, they don't usually appeal to me, but this one totally grabs me, probably because it's sentimental, but also because it looks fantastic. It's very true to the character, great sculpting, great paint app. But here's the problem is they decided, you know, they started sharing images on social media and I guess it caught the eye of Steven Zagar and the crew and whoever holds the IP for this brand. And they seemingly weren't that into it. They, um, I guess, gave Bootlegs and his wife a cease and desist kind of like stop production, don't make any more. And I believe they did, you know, that's as how it, as how it should be. An IP holder gives you a cease and desist, you should stop. But uh, it went way more than that on um, Instagram and social media. It just got into harassment and mudslinging back and forth and just, I don't know, it got pretty ugly in a very public way. And I was curious, have you guys seen any of it? Have you been paying attention? And Tyler, as you as a resin guy, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, uh, so I had kind of, I was kind of late to the party on this, and I sort of did a deep dive in it just more early earlier today because Dollar Slice had kind of put up a couple posts explaining his side of it, and then I looked over at Steve Nazar just to try to see what he had said, but whatever post that was being referenced by John, John Dollar Slice, is not there anymore. But I was able to sort of read through because uh, I keep wanting to call him just John. Uh, Dollar Slice had screen captured a bunch of their back and forths. And I kind of wanted to go into it with like a fresh perspective because I do know John uh, on a, personally. Uh, I don't know Steve Nazar, but I also, as anyone who listened to the earlier episodes, I, I worked in IP and IP protection and licensing. And so I have a fairly decent understanding. You know, I'm not a lawyer, but I have a decent understanding of what's protected, how is it protected, that sort of stuff. And I kind of wanted to look at it with fresh eyes because I did think the figure was really good. I mean, it looks like it... It was excellent. Like, I love it. Yeah, I mean, if, if if you had put it up on a shelf with a bunch of Playmates figures, kind of has that, like, Playmates, Dick Tracy, uh, Toxic Avengers, like, late 90s style, but it's very, very faithful. 
I don't know. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, when the rights holder says you have to not do something, you, you kind of have to stop. But when I was looking through, I mean, and I know, uh, dollar slice and Nazar have a friendly relationship. Uh, Nazar was at dollar slices table at designer con years ago. Uh, John hosted him there. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and Nazar had designed card backs for Dollar Slice in the past. They had an actual, I don't know how good their friendship was, but they obviously were friendly enough to send texts back and forth. You, you can see the texts where John's showing Nazar the sculpt in progress, and Nazar is saying things like, I'm misquoting it, but like, yeah, like rad, like can't wait to see it, can't wait to see it. And my whole issue with it is, dude, if you had an issue with it, say it when it's being sculpted. Don't say it when the release of 10 is already available for sale. Like that's not the time to have an issue, you know? And it felt kind of like it was almost a bait and switch. Like it's one of those things where it's like, I'm totally for this until I'm against it. Right. I don't know. My theory is maybe a lawyer or a friend of his or someone else associated with TNC kind of got a bug in his ear because yes, allowing people to make unlicensed copies, especially one that's faithful. It's ironic that the more faithful it is, the more, potential damage it can do to your brand but yeah and so that is an issue and someone might have gotten in his ear and been like hey if you you know this guy's doing this and we don't have to get into the can of worms that this can open up but it it sounded like he like nazar got real reactionary instead of trying to think of sort of a way that would have benefited both of them instead it's kind of like everyone loses in this scenario and it's a shame because it's a rad figure and it, it should be released yeah, but but I mean it should be, but you know more about it than I do. There was a lot of information to, like to go back and forth between accounts, and I pretty much only read what Dollar Slice was sharing. And um, yeah, I mean, like you said, for seemingly in which this is something I didn't know. I did not know that it seemingly had approval, and they went ahead with the sculpting and making it. And I, I believe uh, Horsey Boo, I think I read she spent like six weeks sculpting and working on this project, and then they were going to release it, and then that's when. Uh, they were told not to do it. And I, I imagine in the bootleg world, this is just something you're used to, though. I mean, you've just got to get used to the potential for whatever IP you're basing your bootleg off of is probably going to give you a CND. And if that happens, you just you have no choice but to back down, right? I mean, you know, it really isn't. It's it, There's always the threat of it, but generally companies just ignore it. I mean, I've gotten I've never gotten a CND, but I got a harshly worded letter from the representative of Alfred Hitchcock's estate when, again, with Killer Bootlegs, when Killer Bootlegs and I did the Alfred Hitchcock figure. uh, I know Killer got a letter from HBO for Kenny Powers. And so there it happens, but for the amount of IP theft that goes on, it's it really doesn't. Like Lucasfilm, who's probably the one who is the most infringed, never sends out CMDs for this. And so, and... um. Sometimes they come from weird places, like uh, Falcon Toys did that Pop-Tart, Han Solo, and Carbonite, and he got a and d but it was from, I believe, Kellogg's. It wasn't from Lucasfilm. Yeah, but I feel have... a lot of times it's the smaller the company or the smaller the property, the more likely you're going to get it. So, like, something yeah. coming from TNC Surface Line is definitely more likely to happen because they have way more to lose if someone starts taking their stuff than someone who's bootlegging Star Wars. You know, you're not going to hurt Star Wars' brand. Um, exactly like the same thing happened with ben he did that uh years ago he did that retro outlaw evil knievel boba fett and 
Lucasfilm, no one said anything, but they got a letter from Evil Knievel, from the Evil Knievel wow. estate, you know, because they're like, they want to get paid. They're, no one's paying Evil Knievel right now, so they want to get paid. Lucasfilm is making plenty of money. They don't care. Yeah, exactly. So the more, the smaller the company that isn't getting paid for their stuff at the time, the more likely you're going to get something saying, pay us. So let well, me ask also, you this. They, like you said, they spent you know the hours, the time that it takes to make these pieces. You said there was was there ten total. Yeah, can, it was just a, it was a release of ten. Okay, so what do they do? I mean, do they can they at least give them to friends, or maybe you can't sell them? But is there anything that can be done, or do you just have to just break them and throw them away? Or what happens to those ones when you get a C and D situation like this? Do you just closet them? Are you do you have to smash them? What happens? Well, I, I mean, I guess, there's a big difference between what you're supposed to do and what you actually do. What you're supposed to do, I don't even really know in, in this case. Um, I know, so like one example uh, of a heavily protected IP is actually the Academy Awards statue. Hmm. And the Academy will come after you and they will demand that you cut the replica into pieces and mail it to them. Wow. To, pr- to prove that it's been destroyed. But with 10 of these gorillas out there, you know, no one can monitor your direct messages. So, so who knows? But as far as, you know, what you're supposed to, and that, but that's kind of the name of the game in this. And I think that's sort of what everyone who decides to cast a part of a beloved IP risks. And it, it very rarely comes to things like this. And especially in such a aggressive manner. I mean, it did seem like, again, I couldn't read Nazar's replies because they'd been taken down. But from what I read from the screen captures, it sounded like it got it got ugly fast. Yeah, I certainly didn't see everything. But from what I did read, it didn't it wasn't pretty. And I wish they had come to some sort of collaboration agreement on things because I, I would love to have owned it. It's a fantastic piece. Well, if they'd come to an agreement, it wouldn't be a bootleg anymore. Well, and Gary, if you so this is like way outside of my. <laughs> collecting zone but i was looking at the dollar slice bootlegs instagram and if you look at a post from two days ago it kind of sounds like he's saying f it dm me like hint hint i'll sell these i don't care anymore so I mean, that's the thing there's 10 of them like you're not like, yeah by the time he by the time the cease and desist letter shows up to his house there's no more left like you're yeah, not, exactly. It's not like going to production, he's not making thousands of these. You're not going to a factory in China. The problem is the figure looks so good, it's sculpted so well, it looks like a real toy that's probably sold, you know, that's made in plastic and sold a ton of. And that was the problem with it. It was too good. Like it, it's, it's too faithful. It wasn't bootleg yeah. enough. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's not. <laughs> so, it's, are you saying if it was like if it didn't look faithful and it was done worse, like most you know typical bootlegs I'm familiar with? You think then this would be not an issue? Yeah, nobody even would have cared. They would have sold 10. Like, he would have put 10 up. 10 people would have bought them because people would have loved them anyway. But it just looks too much like a real product. And those guys, it looked like they're trying to develop some product of their own right now. So they don't want to have anything out there that's going to possibly look, A, better than what they're doing or, B, as good as what they're doing and competing with what they're doing. So it's just like, it's understandable. It's just, it's too faithful of a thing. Like, most of these bootleg things aren't as great as what's going to come out. Some of them are, you know, and, but the fact is there's 10, like it's, you're going to be done with it by the time the letter shows up. That's really all it comes down to. Who cares? Send me the cease and desist. I'm already done. 
Yeah, it's like when uh, when toy companies say their action figure is going to get recalled, and then they there's a rush on them at the store, so they all sell out before they have to bring them back to the factory or whatever. It's that kind of, if anything, all the all the um, controversy kind of causes a, a rush and brings way more attention to the piece than it would have had before. Yeah, exactly. He probably would have had to like hustle to sell ten. Now he's probably already sold them. <laughs> by the time we're by the time this even is aired, he's probably already done selling ten. Oh my god, he probably has enough demand where he could probably make forty or fifty more, just because yeah. everyone now has, can see it, and all the you know all the Nazar fans that discovered him through Nazar apparently complaining about it on his feed, are you know it, it's a. Uh, I think that's why a lot of the bigger companies too sort of just ignore these things because it's more cost efficient to just ignore it and it'll go away than if you actually give momentum to it and acknowledge that it exists. Well, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I actually discovered it. I was reminded of that of that brand through this bootleg. I was going through – I follow Dollar Size Bootlegs, and I discovered it. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is great. This is fantastic. And then I got into reading and heard something about Thrilla Crew, and then I ended up clicking that link. And then I realized that they have an actual page on Instagram, and they have, like, actual, t- you know, T-shirts. And the actual T-shirts that I wore when I was a kid, I'm like, oh, my – so they actually helped – you know, take someone like myself who was a huge fan and that, that town and country played a role of my childhood and it kind of helped reconnect me with them through that bootleg. So I, the strife that happened over this, these 10 that were produced is it's a sad situation because I don't think any, any, either side really came out looking great, but I think it benefited both in a weird sort of way. Uh, I, I mean, I agree because I, w- I definitely saw that, like, I didn't know that, like, that artist was someone who was still creating art and I would have started following him had he not been a douche. But now that like now that he's a douche, like I look at this page and I'm like, eh, I'm not following him now. Like I'm not even going to bother. Yeah. I, I tried to separate the two. Like I still like the art. It's been nice going through that account and seeing all the old art and the, you know, the t-shirts they're trying to resurrect and all that sort of stuff. And actually I did a, a tribute piece to their video game that they did, the GN, uh, TNC was it wooden water rage video game that they did. And I love that game. So when I got the opportunity to uh, do the so analog uh, toy series with the Tendos that Squid Kids Inc. did, I did a tribute to the cover of that video game, and then I called it Wood and Vinyl Rage using my wood and vinyl toys in replace of their characters. But anyways, I understand, like, where Stevens are. Like, he's, you know, probably not a wealthy guy and someone's stepping onto something he's trying to resurrect, but... Yeah. Oh, he's in the right, 100%. I'm not saying he's not in the right, but just don't be a douche. <laughs> I mm-hmm. hate that term, douche. Can we use Bozo instead? But I can't speak to it because... I just haven't read everything. I just, I'm just not that aware of what Steve said. Like you said, the stuff was taken down. So I think this is a good point where we should move on. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a good moving on point. Let's take a brief moment to mention some of our sponsors. So for all your desire toy needs, wants, and desires, we have three amazing stores for you. First up is 3DRetro.com. 3D Retro is a producer of amazing art toys, but along with that, they have a brick-and-mortar location in Southern California. They host lots of great events. The store is amazingly beautiful, so if you're in the area, be sure to visit 3DRetro.com and say hello to their team there. Our next sponsor is StrangeCatToys.com. Strange Cat Toys is awesome. They've been supporting us since the beginning. Corey is an amazing guy. So if you go to StrangeCatToys.com and you're a listener to the show, load up that cart 
and use our promo code MARSHAM at checkout and you'll receive 10% off your entire order. And lastly for the stores is My Plastic Heart. My Plastic Heart is located in New York City. If you're in the area, you definitely want to check out their quaint little store. Vin is awesome. The store mascot is awesome. His name is Kiba the dog. But if you can't make it to New York City, fear not. You can visit MyPlasticHeart.com, load up that cart, and as a listener of the show, if you live in the States and spend $75 or more, use our promo code TOYFAM at checkout, and you'll receive free shipping on that order. Otherwise, to stay on top of all the latest and greatest in toy news, be sure to like and follow SpankyStokes.com and TheToyChronicle.com. And be sure to download the Toy Chronicle app at any one of your favorite app stores. Okay, so Five Points Fest is coming up, less than 100 days now. Tickets are now available, early bird specials going on. You can get your early bird ticket prices on uh, the weekend pass and VIP pass. And so How about it, guys? Are you guys actually going to go out this year? I won't. I'm not going to be there. See, I really <laughs> wish one of you East Coasters would go to this event. I'm in San Francisco. Oh, I'm sorry, you West Coasters. <laughs> and your beautiful weather with all it's your so, toy conventions. You don't have to so, leave the state. So is George and Jess. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Californians, <laughs> you guys are so spoiled there. You never leave your state for anything. There's an awesome event going on in New York City in like 90 plus days, and probably most of you aren't going to go. I wish you would go. <laughs> George, I thought but you were debating I don't. I, I don't. Have, I don't have time for that. I don't have time. It's eighty degrees here in California. We got a convention next week. Are you week. kidding me? It's like forty here. It sucks. It's I know. It's freezing. It's freezing. It, 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 no, by the way. It's California it's cold Phoenix. right now. I have a coworker who woke up to six inches of snow in his front yard. Did it snow for you, George? I know it snowed in parts of California. No, it's. I mean, it snowed in Vegas. I think it wasn't snowing here, but it's. It's yeah, cold. It snowed here somewhere. Yeah. Oh, Calabasas. That's not near me. Not close enough. <laughs> I we can got drive snow, too. We got snow up here. Wow, that's awesome. Mm. Crazy, I crazy love how you all are getting snow, and it's like, weirdly warm here for winter. Hey, global warming like it, is not a thing. It's like 40s, 50s with, with rain, which is weird well, for people. Well, what's, like <laughs> what's weird for me is like six months ago, our state was basically on fire. And now it's it's freezing and snowing. Like it's what is happening? Mother so, Earth is not getting treated well. We are sp- ruining her. But why are you taking it out on California? Because you won't go to Five Points Fest. God, <laughs> it's all your all's fault. It's not my fault. It's our amoral lifestyles. Uh, I know all, all of our um, disgusting Hollywood parties. <laughs> <laughs> For those not in California, if you would like to go to Five Points Fest, you can now go to fivepointsfest.com. Now, the tickets are now available for purchase. Early bird purchases for weekend tickets are $35. Early bird purchase for VIP passes is $125. They will be going up. I think closer to the event, the weekend ticket will be $10 more expensive, and the VIP pass will be about $150. Bucks. So it does pay to get these things early. With the VIP pass, I think we mentioned in the past, it, it comes with the entrance into the Designer Toy Awards. You'll get one hour early entrance both days to the event. You'll get uh, free entrance into the after party if there is one. And you also get like the exclusive VIP grab bag, which comes with an exclusive toy specially made just for the event. So go buy your tickets now and hope to see everyone there. How much passes to go to the show itself? 
did you say? Sorry. Uh, for the weekend pass, it's 35 bucks. That's not terrible. That seems like a deal. I mean, when you when you see how expensive it is to go to Comic-Con for a couple of days now, every time I, I hear of a someplace where you can get in for a reasonable amount of money, it just automatically sounds like a bargain. I know Comic-Con is 200 plus to get in for people now, but it's a totally different show. This is a more focused on designer toy events. It's not... Uh, it's not what you know. It's not as nearly as big as a designer con. It's much smaller. But I love Five Points Fest. I really hope people go out there and check it out. I, I really would like to go. I'm, I know I'm pretending to poo-poo it now, but I, I I do want to make it out at some point to this. It does seem like a really cool show, and it's one I would like to get to eventually. But uh, I mean, I haven't even been to Decon for a couple of years, and that's not even that far. I mean, I can almost drive to Decon. No, you can't. It's like an eight-hour drive for you. Uh, technically, George and I have just proven that you can actually, we could drive to Decon <laughs> and back in one day. <laughs> well, it's an hour further south now, so now you might have a little more problem. <laughs> it's just, it's just a little more hallucinating. Exactly. Not a dangerous amount, but an acceptable amount. Did anybody pay, uh, Toy Fair was last weekend. Anyone pay attention to what was going on there? Anyone see anything interesting? I was really the, my favorite stuff was Super Sevens. I thought totally. Super Seven just blew it away this year at totally Toy agree. Fair. Totally agree. And it seems like they were one of the only ones showing stuff. Yeah, and I don't know. Like I, I, I saw obviously the big guys are showing things, but every time I saw something on my Instagram feed and, and stopped and said, "Wow, that's really cool," it was Super Seven. Yep. They they're just crushing it right now. I hate that term. I'm sorry. I didn't crushing want to say it? crushing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of it. They're just killing it right now. You know what term I hate? Influencer. Hate it. Oh, that's such a... I love it, though, when because uh, Gary and I both have a secret passion for The Bachelor and Bachelorette. And I love it when I love it when influencer is listed as the person's career. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the only time I like it. I miss talking to you about Bachelor. <laughs> Are you still I watching? Know. Yeah, I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan of this season, but I do still watch. And um, you guys know we're recording this, right? I, I, yeah, I don't I, care, George. <laughs> this is a guilty pleasure. I, it it's is. a great show. It's, I, it's... I really wanted Jordan to be the Bachelor, and, and when they picked Colton, I lost interest. <laughs> He's pretty boring, but we'll, we'll save that. For, that's for our Bachelor uh, podcast. We'll save that for another time. But perfect. Um, I do so, watch the Bachelor in Paradise ones, just so you guys know. Yes, that one's actually great. I, That's the best of all of them. It is. I really like Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> I didn't watch the first several seasons, and I gave one a shot, and I ended up loving it. And it's for the reason that it's the opposite of Bachelor in the fact that it feels more real. It's people thrown on a beach, and they seem really bored out of the gorge because they can never leave that little beach in that hotel the entire time. And I f- actually feel it. They form real relationships and actually some real love comes out of it versus Bachelor. Their first dates are in other countries, being sang to by bands. It's just not real life. Well, you don't date very well then. Jeez, Gary. Is that how you won <laughs> Jess over? Yeah, oh, of course. Damn. Parasailing, horseback riding on the beach. <laughs> that was our first date, right? <laughs> Just every, every date I've been on ends with me crying in a limo. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds right. I just love how the three of you have all watched Bachelor more than me. 
Let's make Bachelor toys. No. <laughs> that uh, yes, please. <laughs> Back to Toy Fair. I I mean, like I said, I've, I'm kind of like George, and I've been bad, but I did see news from Kid Robot as well. I mean, it was. I think a lot of what they had was more licensed, which I think it doesn't you know doesn't shock me. But there was some non-licensed stuff too. They shared the Arcane Dunny series, and there was a Candy Bolt and Hello Kitty figure that I saw. I don't know if you all saw that. No, I did not see that one. Um, I was, it was just like a gray prototype, like it wasn't painted or anything. I'll have to see if I can dig up the link. Someone had posted it in some Facebook group, but that one looked kind of cool. And then the Arcane Dunny series looks cool as well. Um, and then there was also kind of a weird merger of world. I don't know if you saw it, but there's apparently um a blind box series that's game themed but it looks like sket one is involved did you see that i did see that one i like that one a lot it's called um let's play you write sket one data and it's kind of taking all the different platforms that kid robot does and reskinning them in different game concepts like so the hippo platforms is the hungry hungry hippo and money is the monopoly guy and it just you know twister and other games pie face yeah it looks fun it was just weird for me because when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, license stuff, license stuff, license stuff. Because you're seeing SpongeBob and all that. Pinky and the Brain. I think there were, uh, what was it? Uh, Fraggle Rock. Mm-hmm. So there were a couple different licenses. But when I saw that one, I was like, oh, more licensed stuff. And then someone else was talking to me about it and was like, did you see that Skets? Like Sket one signatures on. It. I was like, wait, what? That's a Sket thing. And I went back and looked. I was like, sure enough, it is. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I didn't even realize that that was going to be Sket connected to it. I saw a comment that Sket one replied to, and he says those designs are actually different than what they really actually are. So you're, you're seeing the early prototypes, and there must have been some changes somewhere down the line. So we can expect them to look a little differently than what we saw the sneak peek of. Interesting. I'm trying to think if there was anything else that was designer toy related and not licensed. I would imagine at Toy Fair they would probably showcase more of the licensed stuff because it's for buyers of stores and that's kind of the things that those buyers would be. I think most real like regular stores would be buying that stuff more than like, you know, some random artist's random piece. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, Toy, toy Fair is not as much the designer toy scene. I've manned a booth there twice and walked around quite a bit. And yeah, it's basically just how can we, what can we do to get the attention of Target or Walmart or in one of these big stores, or right. um, sometimes some of the more designery style toys kind of have an ulterior motive where they're hoping like Hasbro will discover them and will offer them a buyout deal or a licensing deal or you know an MGA will walk by and it, their product will be the next LOL surprise or whatever. Yeah, it's very it, it's interesting. So there is kind of like a there is a section of Toy Fair that is kind of like the, I don't know what the actual term for it was, like the old designer toy section at Comic-Con, where it's smaller tables and it's more independence. Mm-hmm. So it's independence and first time, um, ugh, what am I trying to say here? <laughs> like new companies trying to get on the, get, get on the scene. Yeah, exactly. For, first time uh, exhibitors. To Toy Fair, and so that's always kind of fun because it's people who've made up their own board game and they're bringing the prototype, or it'll be a someone who's invented this line of action figures that he or she hopes will take off. And so that's kind of like the spirit of designer toys, but it's not exactly designer toys, right? Well, speaking of new companies, we have a couple of new companies. Last year, hey, 
Real quick, Gary, because yeah. I found a link and I'm I'm remembering other things I saw. Okay. So there were two other things that were teased that I'm actually really curious to see more for. I think they just showed boxes. Like, I don't think any, an actual toy was even shown. But um, there were two 8-inch dunnies teased. One was a balloon dunny by Andrew Martin. And it looks like a mylar balloon. So, like, a reflective kind of balloon dunny, like, shell on the box. And that one intrigued me. It says it's available in June. So, um, I'm curious to see more on that. But there's also, uh, it looks like, a 8-inch dunny by 64 Colors in the Works called Good for Nothing. Uh, she's saying it's going to be available in the spring. And, again, that was just a box shown. But um, I love 64 Colors. And we haven't seen any dunnies from them in a long time yeah it's been several years and they're one of my all-time favorite dining designers so this is very exciting for me i'm very curious to find out if it's sculpted elements just painted but whatever i'm intrigued yeah yeah i'm curious too and they finally are we've i feel like the eight inch candy bolton Kayubi dunny i hope i'm saying that right the larger version of her kitsune from the city cryptid series I feel like that was supposed to come out forever ago, but it looks like it's supposed to be coming out next month, finally. Well, that'll make Nick happy. He was the one that DM'd you and I like several weeks ago asking if we knew anything about when that was going to drop. And so I thought it was kind of already had sold. I didn't know it was still waiting to be released. So this will make him very yeah. happy. Well, that's weird. Did they already sell this one? This Quicks? Which one? Yukami and Hitsuju one? Oh, no. I think that one I read is going to release. I thought it was late this month. That maybe it's going to be next month where it's the wolf and the sheep done very quick style, kind of has a street urban flair to it, kind of hip hop listening, looking like, you know, wearing a jacket and headphones and all that sort of stuff. I think I read they're going to be a hundred bucks for the set. So, uh, yeah, it seems like Quix is working with Kid Robot, going to be working with Kid Robot quite a bit. And he also just recently did that Hello Kitty collaboration where he did Hello Kitty as Tech 63. And I heard that one sold out really fast. Some people were saying bots were buying everything. But, uh, yeah, that one looked, that one looked huge. Yeah, the, the Hello Kitty one is yeah, massive. Yeah, probably 10 or 12 inches. The box looked humongous. All right. Anyway, continue on. New companies. Well, Teresa, you don't, you're not that out of touch. You've definitely seen some things. You saw more things than I probably did at, at the Toy Fair, that's for sure. But, th- Tyler, going back to talking about, like, new companies and stuff like that. So last year we had Super Plastic, and then this year, just in the past couple of weeks, there's a new company popping up called Unruly Industries, and this is in a, a subsidiary, subsidiary or an off-branch of Sideshow Collectibles, and they're now wanting to dabble into the designer toy world, and they're starting out, they've been teasing that they're doing five different series. There's going to be an artist series, a monster series, DC, Marvel, and there's a fifth one that I can't think of right now. Kaiju. Thank you, George. Kaiju. So they've been teasing all of those series and a lot of different artists working with them. And last Tuesday, if you're hearing this of the time of release, they put up four figures for pre-order. Three of them being from the artist series, one from the Marvel. And so now we know that the figures are all going to be vinyl. They range anywhere from six to seven inches. The edition sizes are much, much larger than I thought they were going to be. So edition sizes are anywhere between 500 to 750 pieces just for a single colorway. And then the price point, 
um, is also very shocking given how large the edition sizes are. So the price points for these figures range between $100 to $150. So what do you guys think about this new company coming on? What do you think about the edition sizes? The, exp- the expense kind of shocks me. Do you think that's because they're thinking that they're going to tap into that already established sideshow collector fan base where they're used to buying the polystone figures and the resin figures at kind of a similar price point where they're just going to be supported by that fan base? Well, that's actually kind of cheap for their fan base. Like wow. their statues are 300 to $500, some of them. So it's that those are kind of inexpensive for their, for their people. It's just maybe they don't realize that they're, it's expensive for our people. Yeah, I would Especially say with the, I f- yeah. yeah, to me it seems like they're probably not as in touch with the designer toy community as I thought. I thought they're maybe being mentored in some regard or knew it the scene very well because I've seen they're somehow connected with Monkey King in some regard. I've seen some posts about that. Um, but yeah, they're coming in very fast. They're coming in kind of like a big company, lots of releases, high run sizes, high price points. And I think they just need to slow down and establish themselves a little bit and then get some sellouts and, you know, just kind of familiarize themselves with the toy scene a little bit. They're kind of coming in a little hot and heavy like Dudebox did. And we all know what happened to them. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the opposite of the economics of scale here. A lot of the designer toys are so expensive because they're not making that many. And so you, you don't, I mean, obviously anyone who's ever talked to a factory knows it's a lot more expensive to make 20 of a toy than it is to make 2000 when you're talking on a per unit basis. So to be making these multi hundred piece runs, but then still charging like it's a niche run, you're, you're right. It seems like there's a disconnect and as George said, yeah, they're probably thinking, oh, this is this is a bargain based on the the $500 statues that we did a thousand of that sold out. Yeah, but th- that's sense. also not the audience. You know, the guy who spends $600 on a Thanos statue isn't the same guy who's going to spend $150 on a vinyl toy. I mean, for the most part. Yeah, I mean, I know you posted it in the group and it seemed like in general it's exciting. Like it's, it's cool to see and the designs look nice and more like they, they seem to fit the scene, but mm-hmm. they seem pricier than I expected. The run size is whatever, but it does seem higher than I would have thought as well. George, have you seen these in hand? I heard a, a whisper that you did. Yeah. So full disclosure, uh, I've been to sideshow to, to go on a tour and see a lot of this stuff. Um, so I've seen a lot of this firsthand. There's some of it I, I think I signed a you know NDA, so I can't talk about some of it. But anything that's been shown, I can now at least give my opinions on. And then just yesterday, we had two of the guys from Unruly Industries over for Toy Geeks. So okay. we we had them on the show, and I I actually I'm not going to be on that episode, but I was there uh, during the filming because we only had four mics. So since two of them came over, I gave my spot to Jack. But I was there for the episode, so I did hear them talk about all the stuff. And these guys are sideshow guys, but they have this is the stuff that they're really into and they're really passionate about it. So they know our scene. Like they they go to Designer Con, they you know, they they see all the stuff that's being made and they're just all about making more cool stuff to add to this to this scene, you know? But it did seem a little odd to me when I started hearing like because when they were talking and somebody asked about run size or somebody mentioned run size and it was up in the five hundred pieces. And it was for one colorway. I was shocked. I was like, that's not, those numbers haven't been used in a long time. Yeah. And I saw, I mean, I wasn't able to say anything on the show then. So I didn't, we didn't get to talk about that, but that surprised me a little bit. But I think 
for some of the pieces, I don't think that's going to be an issue. Like the Tracy Tubera stuff that was shown, and, and let me make sure, let me click on this and make sure it's shown before I talk about it. Uh, yeah, so they showed the, the T'Challa, uh, Black Panther, mm-hmm. so designed based on Tracy's, like, uh, you know, sneaker sneaker guys that he does. Yeah. Actually, it looks like they showed three, all three of his, the Deadpool and the, the Miles Spider-Man one. I don't think you'll have a problem moving that. You know, like that's a that's a licensed product. It's licensed by Marvel, and it's you know, but it's Tracy's art. And I don't think that'll I don't think that'll have a problem. Whereas the ones that are going to be problems, I think, is their artist series. If you're moving, if you're trying to push 500 pieces of a design from, let's say, uh, Pseudo Five. Anybody ever heard of that person? Yeah, I haven't. No. Or or T Way nope. or no or... T Way I have heard of. He's done a piece in the past with Mighty Jacks, and I've been following his work for a while. Great stuff. But you're right; they're coming in as a new company with a lot of fresh faces. Our you know designer toy collecting community are not aware of, and that's going to be hard to get them to want to jump in at the hundred dollar price point. Uh, yeah. You know, to move these big numbers, you need someone like a Cause or a Quicks or someone that has the hypebeast community behind them. The bots are buying their stuff on the web stores, so it's going to be hard for them to move these numbers on a lot of the guys that aren't really known in our our community already. But and I don't even know if you can move five hundred pieces of a Jesse Hernandez. Not that he's not. He, I mean, he's one of the biggest names in our scene. But I don't know, like, can you move 500 pieces of that in one color? I don't know. Someone in our group posted that they collect the Micklins, and I guess this was produced, a very similar toy was produced by Kusu Vinyl back like eight years ago, and they did several colorways of the Micklin, and if you added up the sum of all of those colorways, it didn't even equal 500. It's going to be a harsh wake-up call after their first edition. Like, maybe they'll start seeing from the pre-orders, like, what the actual response is, and maybe they can adjust those numbers as they move. But I'll tell you, these, I saw these pieces in person, and they, if they look anything like the prototypes, people will be super happy with the pieces when they come out. They look amazing. I think we're going to have them in two weeks on uh, Toy Geeks. You watch that. Nice. Well, and actually, I like that they had the factory samples for the photos for the pre-orders instead of 3D renders. Just 3D renders can be deceiving sometimes. And I think of all of the artist series ones, I think the one standout that I think our community is really going to be responsive to is the... Um, the Tony Riff? Yeah, the Tony Riff Icy Colors. That's nice. Yes. Yeah. That's... I was going to say, do you all be surprised if I said I kind of like that one? I mean, it's not me, but that's my favorite for sure of the four. Yeah. It's surprising, isn't it, that you and I both like that because it's probably not normally our thing. And I guess to describe it to the listeners, it's like a vintage black and white cartoon character on an acid trip just leaking color out of his eyes and it's really really nice i think that one's going to really do well with our community but the other ones i think they look great but i'm not familiar with all the artists i mean there's an artist named poop bird and i'll tell you like once you like you may not know who poop bird is right now but if you look up poop bird on instagram (laughs) awesome I'm, I'm going to search Bird right now on Google, and I bet I'm going to regret it. I don't know if I would do it on Google, but if you just I wouldn't to- do it on Google. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a bad idea. It looks like he did the whole uh, Kaiju series. Uh, it's artist Mike Pooper Groves. Um, and I'll tell you, his art, his, uh, I think he's a tattoo guy uh, on Instagram, and his art's awesome. So I don't know. Maybe he, like, I don't know if he has enough followers to be able to build up that many pieces, but. I mean, good on them for getting this. And I was asking them how they kind of chose, 
because I was able to, that was one I threw in a question while they were filming from the live studio audience. And I asked, like, how did you guys choose the artists? Like, because some of these artists I'd never even heard of. And they said that they all just kind of got together and pitched who they would want to see, like, based on the, what they all like. If, like, if they each kind of said this name and, like, three of them said the same name, they were like, well, let's go after that guy and see. So I think it's cool that they're introducing new artists that nobody's ever heard of. I think that's a great, we need companies to do stuff like that. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're not starting from zero been. here, you know. They've well, a, Sideshow already has distribution. They already have the people already know their quality. They already have a giant fan base. So maybe, you know, there's probably a percentage of the people that will buy it just because they're Sideshow fans. And I hope that they continue with the line, even if it doesn't sell to their expectations. Because it'd be a shame if they sold 300 out of 500, which for designer toys, a giant success, but for a sideshow was kind of like a meh return. And they, I hope they, they can look past things like that. And I hope they just keep pushing forward with it. Cause yeah, I mean, George is right. We need more companies that are just finding people that aren't as prolific as the Taras and Jesse's and all those people whose, whose names that you're so used to hearing and, and kind of pushing them into the limelight. Yeah, I mean, like you said yeah. at the beginning, there was like you you were gone for a year and you came back and it's the same. You scrolling through the same list of names, so I yeah. think it's great that there's people willing to put money behind people who might not have that huge name yet, but it's they make cool stuff, you know. So this is, I think, it's really cool, and I think it's a nice mix of original things plus bringing in their licenses is kind of cool. Like I would, I hope that they can bring it, like because they have the Star Wars license too at Sideshow. So I, I think it'd be cool to be able to start bringing in some of this stuff into Star Wars and uh, like eventually down the line, like any of their licenses, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I know you're, we're, we're beating on their edition sizes a little bit, but just on the flip side, I mean, majority of the scene is pretty small run but i mean kid robot does pretty large runs too a lot of their dunnies are editions of one one thousand yeah that is true that's so, true but dunny has been around for 15 plus years it has an established fan base already collecting it and they primarily use artists that are established in our scene artists that collectors have already collecting and want more of their stuff unruly is coming at it a little more risky i think because uh, what I like is they're not just coming in with just one series. They're not taking a, a one series sampling. They got from what we've seen five in the works, and I'm sure that there's more that we don't know about. I expect to be hearing from Unruly all year long. I mean, I'm spoiling the whole Toy Geeks episode right here, but they, I mean, they were saying <laughs> stuff like, uh, I think they're already on the third series. There's, I think there's 15 characters in the first series that they're just that they're just releasing, and they're already planning for the third series right now. So. Wow. Yeah, there's plenty in the works. And I know that everybody at the company is passionate about this. Like the owners are are totally into this. Like they are, they love this stuff. They, you know, they understand, you know, because they all, the Sideshow guys, Sideshow started from guys that were making, you know, model kits. You know, they were, they, you know, their first licenses were monsters and universal monsters and stuff like that. Like they love all this they love model kits. They love these kind of stuff. They love art and they love that they have all these talented artists working at their company and they realize it doesn't all have to be superheroes and Star Wars. Mm-hmm. They, they want to see this stuff because they know that they're, they have these talented artists working with them and they know that there's all this art out there. Then You can tell like touring there that they're very passionate about all this stuff. Good. Yeah, it's fantastic. I think even uh, you guys are talking about them using new artists. I think Super Plastic's doing the same. Before Super Plastic came along, there were several people in the series that had never 
gotten the chance to do designer toys. Jake Parker, El Gran Chamaco, and I think I, I can't think of all everyone in this series, but I think there was a few people that they were kind of introducing to the scene. Speaking of super plastic, along with bringing people in, I mean, some of their edition sizes have been larger too. That's so true. maybe I mean I think we're we're used to small, but hey, if maybe they can come in and do it. Super plastic did it. They kind of just came out of nowhere and have been selling out of a lot of stuff. So yeah, no, you're not wrong. I think with Unruly's edition size, like it's high for a new company starting out. But more shocking to me is just the ratio of edition to the price. I think at that large edition size, I would expect the price, the retail price, to probably be half of what it is now. Yeah. Yeah, the sticker think, shock was a little bit more in regards to the the high production sizes more than the potential ab- ability to yeah. uh, to sell them. Right, right, exactly. They probably would have sold a lot more if that. they were a lesser price because I know some people were hesitant. But I'm very excited about them coming onto the scene, Super Plastic, DC Direct. I'm loving that new companies are coming in with artist-driven designs. I think it's very exciting. This is very cool. It almost feels like this might be a new golden age, not to be like too speculative, but it seems like there's potential for this to kind of take it back to how it was. At least I know when I started collecting years ago, it was just the hottest thing out there. There was tons of stores. In fact, in the last episode, you're kind of reminiscing a bit about all the stores that were in the Bay Area here. And now we we are down to really... Woo Bear, there's not even a kid robot. I mean, there's no kid robot anywhere anymore. But we used to have so many more. And it'd be nice to have sort of a, if this is what it takes to get interest back to some of those bigger levels, I'm all for it. Yeah, no, no, same not. I mean, this is, I'm sensing it's it's definitely growing. The designer toy scene is getting better. It's not 2009 anymore. Uh, I think it's, we're, I think we're pretty strong at this day. point. So I hope you're right. Um, but let's move on. Let's talk about some other things that happened in New York last weekend. We've already touched on New York Toy Fair, but also going on was Clutter was having a release party for their Kaiju Dunny series. And in that series are five artists, and this is kind of like the American artists doing their version of Kaiju. And so in that series was James Groman, Candy Bolton, Jeff Lamb, Rampage, and Buana Spoons. Have you guys seen this series, and what did you think of it? I will say the thing that I thought was a kind of cool approach is that usually when you do mixed artist series, um, there may or may not be a theme, but people kind of tend to just do their own thing, right? Either within the theme or without. And it seems like they collaborated on a color palette this time. So when I look at all the different designs kind of all together, I see that cohesiveness. And I thought that was an interesting approach. I don't know if clutter drove that direction or if they all worked together on that or what but i thought it was pretty cool how it coordinated in that way so you had all these different styles but a similar palette across all of them i noticed that too and i think that worked out really really nice it's just a fun laid-back kind of goofy series it kind of i really liked it i didn't really originally like it that much in the flat 2d art that we saw leaked several months ago but again that's what that's the different translation from the 2d and what it turns out to being 3D, you really can't judge a book by, well, this isn't a cover situation, but you can't be too judgmental of that early development stage. You really need to see the, no. the final figures in hand. And I think for the most part, these turned out really, really nice looking. I like them. Yeah, there's kind of a fun whimsy to them. Yeah. It's almost yeah. like it's it's not taking itself as seriously as some of the other Dunny series that have been released lately. Right. It's just more of a, a fun. Let's just have fun with Dunnies again. Yeah. The little 
James Groman with the long neck and the teeny dunny head cracks me up. I got that one. You did? <laughs> That's what the do you one think I of got. it in hand? How is it in hand? You know, funny, I haven't actually seen it in hand, so uh, I what? saw. Wait, how'd well, you get it? Okay, so my plastic heart did a like a you know like a blind box opening on their like on their feed, right? And they happen oh, to pull okay. they happen to pull that one, and so in the comments I said I want that one, and uh, so he shipped it to me. It arrived today, but I haven't had a chance to open it. Oh, Gary, go open it. I want to know what you think of it because I when I was first seeing pictures of it, I was like that is goofy. Like it was <laughs> the just, little head and it, long neck. I was yeah. just like ah, I don't know, but then. So Clutter had that event where um, they were doing a release party and some of the artists came and signed and I hung out. And so there were some Instagram stories they posted and I happened to catch one and I saw it in someone's hand. And I was like, I don't know why, because I knew I don't know why. I mean, I should know it's a three inch dunny. But in my head, I was picturing it huge. And so when I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, its neck and head are so small. And I liked it more at that like at that size. So I was curious what you think of it in hand versus in pictures. You want me to open it now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. All right. Well, I have to go in the house. So give me a minute. Oh, jeez. Here we you go. You guys talk amongst yourselves. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I got the dunny. Uh, I'm going to open it up. And I think I just realized something. <laughs> I'm it's so tiny. <laughs> Are you having the realization I had when I saw it? Wait, so the like, dunny's oh not God. the same size as a regular. The dunny body's not the dunny body size. Yeah, no, it looks the same. But here's just the weird part: is the neck. Okay, first off, I love it. Like in hand, it's fantastic. I really, really liked it. Originally, like one of the things that kind of threw me off is in the photos, the. You know, this this is happens what happens with toys, George, is the uh the rotocasted versus the injection molding. Sometimes the colors don't match up. And that's sort of the case with this figure. The orange on the arms is a lot more vibrant than the orange on the body. And then the orange on the neck doesn't match up very well to the orange on the body. Oh but, yeah. But as a figure, this thing is fantastic. But no, it's the same body, same arms, but the neck it's probably about the same size as the head without the ears. And so it's maybe only a quarter inch or not even half an inch taller than a regular dunny. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. It's really strange. That is weird. Cool. And this weird thing, when I saw the 2D art, I don't think I ever would have guessed this was James Groman. No, I didn't. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's funny you say that because when I saw those reveals, I was like, oh, who is that? And then I realized it was James or Jim. We can call him Jim now, right? We can call him Jim now, yeah. Um, but yeah, I was like, wait, that's him? And then like once you realize it, because I think we're so used to him being known for sculpting because that's what he does is his detailed sculpts. But he's basically taken his detailed sculpts and done them as pad printing instead. And once you get it, you get it. Yeah, no, I'm looking at this piece and it's, gosh, it's fun. It's cool. I, great job, Jim. If you're listening to this, fantastic work. I love this. Translated really well. I have to say, so I know Kyle was giving me a hard time because I was like, you know, like, you all know I like cute. I can't hide it. So, like, this series, when I first seen, I was like, yeah, it's just not going to be in my wheelhouse. He's like, no, you're going to like some, you're going to like some. I won't lie, there are a few that have grown on me. 
Yeah, I mean the colors I think help make it more the appealing colors, just to to yourself. Well, and they're just yeah, they're more fun. Yeah. They're not dark or deep or creepy. It's just like you said, more fun. Yeah, it doesn't feel like there's a hidden meaning behind them or there's not some they're, they're not trying to tell a story that isn't there. It's just right. let's make monsters and put exactly. them in boxes. I agree. I think yes, there was a theme, but it was a loose enough theme that they had the flexibility to play and let their style. Yeah, it really comes through. I would, I do have to say, like, I think this is fun and I like the idea of winning because all the artists you said, right, are based in the U.S. Do you think there that are? bothers people that only Western well, designers did? No, no, no. I don't, think it, I don't think it bothers people and I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's fun and good to see U.S.-based artists put their spin on kaiju but I would love to see the reverse as well. I would love to see, because since Dunnies are a U.S.-based thing, I think it would be interesting to see all overseas artists apply their idea of kaiju on the Dunny and have mm-hmm. like a international version as a follow-up. I just think that'd be cool to see. I agree. That's something I would love to see, too. Or have, knows, a Japanese, but... uh, have Japanese artists give their interpretation of classically American monsters. Oh, yeah. Or that. Like a, a total 180 on it. Now, how many yeah. classic monsters do we have, though? If you include... The Universal Monsters, I guess? Yeah, the Universal Monsters okay. and some of the, um, like, Bigfoot. You know, we, you could probably come up with a list. Yeah, no, that could be really fun. I'm going to put that in the suggestion box. And and more cute kaiju. C- even cuter. Like, cute of cute. Think, like, Chima Group or... Even like Teresa Chiba or Shoko and her Byron's like cute, cute. I would like to see that. You know, I don't think they've ever done a completely cute series. They've done a, cute, a completely dark and heavy Art of War and those kind of series. But they've never done an entirely cute based series. Not that I can think of. Oh, like cute, a cute explosion. I mean, that'd be fun. I know way back when we had that game we played where we uh, put together our ideal Dunny series. Did we do that I, online, though? I don't remember doing that online. No, we did that on podcast with um Chris. Huh. Do you not remember that game? I don't remember. No We went around and built our favorite Dunny teams. That was a... Uh... Oh, my gosh. I, okay, I think it just hit me. Yeah. Remember he built, like, the dream team? He was throwing out names like Cause. <laughs> Picasso. Just, yeah, he just kept it real grounded. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's exciting. I like that I'm seeing a lot more coming out of Clutter. I know uh, Eric's working with him for his upcoming shoot. What's the name of it? Symbiosis. Yep, his symbiosis he's doing with Clutter. Now we're seeing this. I know that they've been doing stuff uh, with Kyle and Collaboration Kid Robot. And I know in the past they've been doing all their Octodunnies. But I think it's exciting. It seems like they're producing quite a lot these days. And I know they're also doing lots of big stuff. Do you think they're going to be the ones producing the... The DTA figure then for the VIP pass? Or do you think that's going to go to another large company like an Instinct or someone like that? That's a very interesting thought. I don't know. I, I It's hard to say, honestly, but it's. I think it's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me, but I think I'm going to say no. I think they're still going to go with a larger company making that for the bag. But uh, it'd be cool if they did. But anyways, we, I think we're running – let's go ahead and end it, Tyler. I think thank you so much again for coming on. It's been great catching up with you, buddy. Yeah, it's been nice catching up with all of you too. feels like home again. 
<laughs> I'll have to do this uh, unless this gets absolutely terrible listener reviews. <laughs> I'd love to do this again. <laughs> we probably should have ended it on our last episode, Tyler, because we got so much great feedback on the episode with Drill One and Lisa for like people, several people mentioned it was the best episode we've ever done. So really we should have just ended it on that one and just rode off into the sunset. But since you come back on, I think you were great Tyler, but we should also probably at some point invite back Aaron back on and Carlos. All right, let's not get crazy here. We don't need everybody. (laughs) Well, if we're going to bring anyone back on, I know he's not an actual host. Gary, but I think we did Corey wrong. <laughs> we got to give Corey a, a strange cat a little better of an episode. He can talk more. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't even remember we that episode. To five points, and like he didn't. Poor Corey was like oh. our first guest, and we didn't really talk. He didn't get to talk much <laughs> at all. So we got to get back on, and I am actually tell the story of Strange Cat and how it came to be. He is a sponsor after all. Give him a little love. All right, you're right. I forgot. I can read a quick news story if you want that I just found and thought it was funny. Okay. Uh, it's from the Toy Book. I don't know if you know that magazine or not, but it's about you know mainstream toy stuff. But I guess there was just a uh, a Toys R Us the Jeffrey Mobile that was designed by George Barris. Uh, it just went up for auction recently, and they were expecting it to to bring in anywhere between fifty and two hundred thousand dollars for the for the car. Okay. It brought in twenty two thousand five hundred dollars. Oh, yeah. People are mad at Toys R Us. Yeah, I I think people were mad when they went out, and people are mad that they're trying to come back. That I'm mad. I'm kind of mad about that too. Like you went through all this stuff of going away, and now you're like, oh, we're coming back. Well, also because they they didn't pay a lot of vendors, I guess. And then they went bankrupt, but now they're coming back, and all these vendors are kind of going like, well, yeah, you're back, so you're gonna pay us, right? Yeah, different company. It, it just the whole thing. The whole thing was, I think it left a lot of. After the nostalgia wore off, I think it left bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. I didn't even think about that with Toys R Us, uh, Tyler. With them, so many companies did not get paid. They had tons of inventory being made that was not paid for. So yeah, to come back now and support the new company, that's like yeah. yeah. Would, of course, they're going to want to get paid first on what they got screwed over on. And then maybe they'll participate in this new version. Yeah, so it'll, it'll be second. interesting. And espe- yeah. especially with Target and Walmart increasing their toy, toy aisles. And there's there's other places for vendors to go. I don't know. I, if I had a crystal ball on that. Uh, I think it's too soon. You know, too be a soon. rich guy. But yeah, it's way too soon. Give it like five years or ten years. Yeah, yeah and I... then it's actually a nostalgia play instead of kind of feeling like a greed play. It feels like they, yeah, it feels like a shitty move of, hey, we suck, like, we're failing, we gotta go, sorry, we can't pay you, blah, 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 we're out. And then they're like, ah, psych, we just want to get out of paying all that money to you. Yeah, you know, no more debt, and we're gonna start over. Well, that was a nice little tidbit, George. Sweet, I contributed. You contributed, (laughs) you did good. (laughs) Well, Tyler, thanks for coming on. He's beating his resolution. He is. So thanks, uh, Tyler, for coming on. It's time to wrap it up. We're running long, as as we usually do. So why don't everyone take a brief moment and let uh, everyone know where they can find you. Tyler, go first. You can just find me online at hamfx, H-A-M-F-X dot com. And that's also my Instagram account, at hamfx. Ladies next, Teresa. Feels really weird to do an outro when I didn't do an intro. (laughs) (laughs) 
But uh, yeah, if you all want to check me out, find me on Instagram. My username is tmhawk24. George. I am at Double G Toys on Instagram. And what about Toy Geeks, since we've talked about them so much? Uh, yeah, Toy Geeks on YouTube, I guess. Or just go to toygeeks.com and you can find all the stuff. Don't there. go, no, don't go to toygeeks.com. That's not updated. Oh, it's not? Yeah, just go straight to YouTube <laughs> and search Toy Geeks. Well, guess That's... who's supposed to do that, Ben? <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, every time I go to toygeeks.com, I think I'm going to see the new episode. It's still like the same one, the Patrick Lamb one from like almost a year ago. To be fair, 15 other jobs, so I don't claim. No, no, not at all. But I, I have to say, George, I've been really enjoying the, the latest season much more than when you guys heard that first season. Meh. Wow, okay. Guess we're coming into our own, I guess. Well, no, the first season was just so <laughs> sticky. I just felt like things were like, oh, it's just so sticky. You got rid of that. You brought in all these new people who are respected people within the toy scene. And so I like hearing their opinions. And, and I love the editing, the new editing that's going on. It's a lot more um, playful. It yeah, I love like. And that that's all uh, Victoria. She Victoria. Does, yeah, 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 she does that. She does an amazing job. Yeah, she's doing a great job. Right? That, that really cracks me up every week. So, uh, okay. And I'm, all right, I'll go next. I'm Gary Ham. You can find me at superham.com or Gary Ham on Instagram. And uh, this is in the Marsham Toy Hour. We do this every week, not because we have to. Every other week, because we want to. <laughs> so until whenever we decide to talk again, uh, this has been the Marsham Toy Hour. We're signing off. Bye. Bye. All right, Tyler, you're texting me. You're, you're getting yelled at. I'm getting yelled at when I went to go get the package. So, what the heck is sticky? <laughs> All right, I got to go, you guys. It's been, it's been fun. <laughs> See you, Tyler. Bye. Oh, Bye. 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 Sticky. Bye. What does that even um, mean?